but we are in a pretty extraordinary time of year. We have it every year, but it's still equally extraordinary. Some of us are very excited about this time of year. We view it as us turning the chapter in our life. We are opening up to new opportunities, dreaming about what could be in the year to come. But for the amount of us that have that kind of mindset, there is likely an equal amount of us in this room who are not anticipating what is to come because we are still hurting and grieving of what has already come. We're looking back at a year and years of pain and grief and torment. And so we're in a fine balance. And at the end of the year, many of us are looking for a better way. We become far more reflective of our life, of our day-to-day activities. And many of us, unfortunately, we get to a place, and I only say this because I have been there, but we get to the end of the year and we begin thinking that we don't like the person that we are becoming. And so we are looking at the next year, maybe hoping to find a better way. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. But I want to give you a pretty honest warning this morning. Is I'm going to raise a question, raise a problem. And for some of you in this room, I am not going to provide a suitable solution to that problem. In fact, many of life's deepest most difficult problems cannot be fully addressed in a mere 30 minutes. And so I'm not even going to attempt to satisfy everybody in this room. So at the end of today's message, if some of you in here feel a little frustrated, still feel like the same way whenever you walked in this morning, just know that's part of the intent. Welcome to the Vero Beach Church of Christ, where we love God, and you may sometimes leave this room feeling frustrated. Because we are trying to love and live on a deeper level than just surface level. And that sometimes means that we have to suffer a little bit. And so at risk of offending you, I want to ask you one question this morning. One question. It's a question that you likely did not think you would be asked this morning. However, it is certainly a question that's being asked by many people outside of these walls. And I would even dare say it is a question that many people in this room have asked at some point in their life. You ready for the question? Am I ready for my clicker to work? The anticipation is killing me. There it is. I think I got it now. There we go. Do you ever feel like Christianity isn't working? Do you ever feel like Christianity isn't working? Do you ever feel like the way you're serving Jesus, the way you're following Jesus, you've maybe given your life to Jesus, it isn't playing out the way that you probably thought it would? Today, I am going to get real honest with you. That's my goal. And I'm wondering how many of you, if you were honest with yourself, you might say something like, you know what, at times you're right. I do get a little burned out at the busyness of the church. Or if you were honest with yourself, you might say, you know, sometimes I do get frustrated that God seems to answer all these other people's prayers, and yet mine still remained unanswered. 
or maybe you feel like you're doing everything right, you're trying to be good, you're trying to be faithful, you're trying to be a good Christian, you're doing everything right, and yet everything seems to be going wrong. Maybe you've asked this question, does this Christianity thing, does it even work? And this question, it can take all kinds of shapes and forms in people's lives. So, for example, every single week through Campus Life, uh, Youth for Christ, local organization, Christian organization that we support, I volunteer every week. I'm in a high school telling students about Jesus. Just think about that. Telling Jesus about, telling kids about Jesus in a public atmosphere. And these kids that are hearing about this person named Jesus every single week, they're hearing about this God who is transforming the world and setting things right again. And those same kids are going back home where they're not eating, where their parents are fighting violently with each other, where their only prayer is that their parents will not get a divorce because that's the only stability they have left in their life. And I guarantee many of them are asking this question, does Christianity, does it even work? If I'm honest with you, I've asked this question. Darian and I, we love Jesus. We try to do the right thing. We serve in the church. We serve our neighbors. We try to love well. And we've lost jobs. We've lost friends. We've lost a child. We've lost family members. And I've asked this question, is all of this for nothing? Why would God allow something like that to happen? Does God even have the power to push back against the evil forces? Does Christianity even work? And I recognize that there's other examples that are not so dramatic. And maybe, in fact, for many of you, it's not that dramatic. You might go to church on a regular basis, you read your Bible every single day. You have a great streak going. You listen to Christian FM on your way to work. You have a Jesus Loves You sticker on your car. You live in a decent neighborhood, in a decent house. You have a decent family and a decent job. You have decent friends. You go on decent vacations, and yet you're still just not happy. You don't feel fulfilled. And this question, it creeps up. Does this Christianity thing, does it even work? And if you've ever been there, if you've ever wondered about that question, if you've ever wondered, is there a better way? Is there a better way? What I want to do is I want to bring a message to you that I hope speaks to your heart. It's a message that if you're feeling overwhelmed, you're feeling confused, you're feeling discouraged this time of year, I hope that the words in John chapter 14, we'll speak to you. Jesus' words, starting in verse 1, he says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and I prepare a place for you, I will come back. And I will take you to be with me that you may also, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. And Thomas, he asked the question that many of us have likely asked at some point in our life. He says, Lord, we don't know where we're going. How can we know the way? Jesus' response, I am 
the way, Thomas, and the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through me. There is a better way. There's a better way. And let's pray about that way this morning as we prepare our hearts to hear from God. God, Heavenly Father, we come to you looking for a better way. God, we're looking for a way. We, we've tried so hard finding our own way. God, we've, we've listened to society and culture telling us the way they think will give us fulfillment and happiness. But God, yet at the end of the year, we still, we still feel empty, unsatisfied, like our life doesn't have any true meaning. And God, if there's anybody in this room that is feeling a hint of that way, wondering if this following Jesus thing, this thing called Christianity, if it even works in our world today. Father, we look to hear from you that there is a better way. There is a better way. We open our hearts to what you have to reveal to us this morning. We say this prayer in the name of Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. The way, the way. Everybody say the way. The way of doing something is absolutely important. The way of doing something is absolutely, the definition of the way in the English dictionary is the method, style, or manner of doing something. It's how you go about saying something or doing something. And by saying or doing something a certain way is going to determine the outcome. It's going to alter the outcome. Now, if you're not married, then you may not fully understand this, so let me give you an example. You have a phrase here. You could ask this one way, hey, are you wearing that to dinner? Simple, easy question, no strings attached. However, if you say it this way, are you wearing that to dinner? The exact same phrase, but said in a different way, is certainly going to give you a different response, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, yes, right? The way it matters, it matters. And as Christians, I don't know if you've noticed this, but whenever we focus on that phrase, the way, the truth, the life, at least preachers, we like to focus on the truth, right? Because you will discover the truth and the truth will set you free, right? And that's a great way to preach that lesson. However, there is a part of that passage that we often overlook, and that is the way. And yes, Jesus is the way to the Father, the only way to him. That's one way you could preach that. However, we often talk about the truth of Jesus, but we rarely talk about the way. I believe that living the way that Jesus lived is a reflection of the truth that Jesus We often talk about the truth of what he said, but we often overlook the way that he lived out that truth. So a little Bible trivia for you, for your next Bible-themed party that you host. What were the first Christians called? So they weren't called Christians, right? That was given to them many years later, um, given from the outside. Disciples is, is close. It's, it's there. It is there. Um, so they weren't called Christians. That was given to them later. Uh, they weren't called 
they weren't called religious people because everybody was religious during this time. In fact, early Christians were often considered atheists because they just believed in one God versus the plethora of gods out there, right? So they weren't called the religious folks. They weren't called the Bible thumpers because, well, they didn't have the Codex Bible that we take for granted many times today. So they weren't called Bible thumpers, and they, believe it or not, they weren't called Jesus freaks either, though they certainly were that, living and dying for this man. So these spirit-filled, Jesus-loving, demon-crushing, self-sacrificing world changers, what were they called in Acts chapter 9? People of the way. The way. And I find that so interesting because it immediately gives me insight into what these first believers, how they structured their life and their faith. You see, these people, they weren't as concerned about the right theology. In fact, many of them would get that wrong many ways. They weren't concerned about having pristine morality. Now, both of those things were byproducts, but their number one focus as people of the way is what? Living the way Jesus lived, loving the way Jesus loved. They gave 100% of themselves to that singular goal as people of the way. Now, just pause and think about that for a moment, about the way Jesus lived his life. And just do a simple comparison, the way Jesus lived his life and the way I often live mine. Jesus is filled with joy, all circumstances. He's filled with this joy that can't be tapped into. It doesn't mean happiness, it just means joy, fulfillment, and yet I feel stressed all the time. Jesus didn't worry about things. In fact, he had this whole teaching about not worrying about things. And some people claim that we are the most anxious generation in all of human history. Jesus always found time to stop for people and love them well, and well, (laughs) ain't nobody got time for that, right? Jesus made it a commitment to spend intentional time with his heavenly Father. I can barely pray for three minutes without my mind wandering to a project I'm working on or my fingers to wander to my social media app. I mean, just imagining Jesus living the way that many of us live. It's hard to do, is it not? Let's do a little exercise. Imagine Jesus running at the first sign of danger or threat. Like the disciple said, one of his disciples says something that he doesn't agree with, and he's just like, no, I don't want to have anything to do with you, right? I'm just going to leave you on the side and go do my own thing. Or, or the, the lanterns piercing the garden's night sky when they came to arrest him, and Jesus running and hiding in a bush. Can you even imagine it? Can you imagine Jesus gathering together his band of followers and saying, all right, guys, from this point forward, we're going to allow the government to determine what is morally right. In fact, we're actually going to attach ourselves to this political figure who's rising up. Can you imagine it? Can you imagine Jesus returning from the grave, confronting his ragtag group of followers and saying, hey, guys, From this point forward, the most important thing you can do is to isolate yourself from the rest of the world, stay completely insular, and then everything will work its way out. 
Can you imagine it? Can you imagine Jesus being confronted by a prostitute trying to attend a dinner he was hosting? Him telling her, hey, go change your lifestyle, go change your worldview, and then you have a seat at my table. Can you imagine it? Can you imagine somebody asking a genuine favor of Jesus and him responding with that phrase I've become all too familiar with, I'm just too busy. No, I, I, you know, I don't have time for that. Life, life is really crazy right now, but when things settle down, then maybe I can do that. Now, Jesus, he just lived differently than we do, didn't he? Now, it's easy to fall into a little trap here. It's a trap that I've fallen into before in saying something like, well, obviously because he's Jesus, right? Jesus, it's Jesus, so obviously he can make these changes. But I challenge you, read through the first chapters, the first couple of chapters of Acts, and you're going to see that the people of the way truly began adopting the way that Jesus lived. When Jesus went somewhere, he walked. He took his time. He allowed his mind to think, to rest on the Father. I'm always pushing it. I'm always feeling this feeling of overwhelmed. I'm feeling rushed to do something. And you want to know what I discovered this past month of just thinking about the, the year is I was rushing, rushing, rushing to become somebody that I didn't even like. And so I made some changes. Over this past month, this holiday season, I made some changes. An attempt, small attempt to be more like Jesus. And my changes were imperfect. They were often inconsistent. They were not heroic. But they were changes I needed to make before I even thought about presenting this lesson. Everybody say the way. The way. The way I'd been doing the work of God was destroying the work of God in me. That's me being honest with you this morning. And so... Over the past month, month and a half, I've jumped off of social media. It wasn't healthy for me. I began taking more runs outside in God's creation instead of being inside of a gym. I started going to bed really early, like really early, because I wanted to intentionally rest instead of mindlessly watch something. I started spending more time just sitting in fact, oftentimes Darian's looked over across the room like, you okay? You, everything all right over there? I started reaching out to people more often. And listen, these are changes I made for me, my personal life, things that I've struggled with, things that I needed to be more like Jesus because the way I was doing my life, it was destroying what God was trying to do inside of me. And maybe some of you can relate to me this morning. Maybe somebody in this room can relate. Maybe somebody listening to the audio of this later can relate. Your schedule is so packed out. Your pace is so unmatchable that God can't even keep up. Your insecurities, your unresolved hurts, they're running rampant in your life. It feels impossible to imagine that God could actually provide you a remedy. And you want to know what happened when I began making these adjustments in my life? It's the reason why so many people in here will not be satisfied at the end of this lesson. Is I naturally began pushing, creating this natural resistance inside of me. 
Like, no, 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 no. That's not how things get done. Like the world, it works on full throttle. You got to keep up. You have to succeed. You have to win. You have to get ahead. You have to be happy and obtain it for yourself. Drive harder, achieve more, push harder, fight until you finally win. But then this verse, it smacked me in the face. There's a way that appears right, but leads to death. I've quoted this before. Corey Tin Boom once said that if the devil can't make you sin, he'll just make you busy. And both sin and busyness have the exact same effect. They cut you off with your connection with God. They cut you off with your connection with other people. And they even begin cutting yourself off from your own soul. So what did Jesus say instead? He said, come to me in Matthew chapter 11, all who are wearied and burdened, and I will give you time. Right? Because that's what we want. If I just had a little more time in my day, I could actually work in a Bible reading and prayer. If I just had a little bit more time, I could get that project done and spend more time with my family. If I just had a little more time, I could get those things done. But time is not what you actually need. So what do we need? Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you accomplishments. I mean, this is, this is what drives social media. So I, it's, it's a platform for me to ride on my accomplishment, my accomplished family, my accomplished Christmas, my accomplished vacation, my accomplished achievements, accomplishment. This is what I need to be happy, to be fulfilled, to finally have meaning, is to accomplish something. That's not what you need. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you power. Yeah. What I could do if I had just a little more power. I could just work my way up a little bit more at the office, if I could just rein my family in a little tighter, if my spouse would just do the thing that I need them to do. I had a little more power. That's not what you actually need. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you riches. Because if I just had a little bit more in the bank, if I just had a little bit more money, a little more spending money, if I could just get that one thing, that's what's going to bring me happiness and fulfillment. I didn't have those things this year, but next year I'm looking to make a bigger profit and I can finally get those things and then I'll have more time. Not what you need. What did Jesus say? He said, come to me all who are wearied and burdened and I will give you, I'll give you rest. You may not think you need it, but this is what Jesus offers you. I will give you rest. And when Jesus says this, well, read it. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find, there it is again, rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So when Jesus says, my yoke, take my yoke upon you, what he means is to submit yourself to him every single day in every single way. So if you're not familiar with what a yoke is, it's this wooden beam that curves around the shoulders and the neck of an animal. It's often used in farming. It's to keep them in step with each other. But in ancient times, to be yoked to something is simply meant to, be sub to submit yourself to something. It's an act of submission. 
So if you are yoked to something or someone, then you are in submission to that person or thing. So just connect all these dots here. What is Jesus inviting us into by being yoked to him? He's inviting us into a better way, to be joined with him. Because here's the thing about being yoked. You can't be yoked to yourself. Yoke is not an individual act, which is often what we've turned our faith into. It's me against the world, me and Jesus against the world. Not even that, just me against the world, and maybe I'll get some Jesus help along the way. But that's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying, don't be joined to your activities. Don't be joined to your schedule. Don't be joined to Christianity. Don't even be joined to the church. Be joined to Jesus. Walk. It's two entities walking in pace with one another. The way of Jesus. In other words, Jesus doesn't just want you to believe his truth. He wants you to live his way. And what Jesus is trying to say, if you're worn out, if you're burned out, if you don't know if this whole thing is working, join him. Join him. He wants to give you a better way. Listen, he doesn't want you to be joined to your schedule, to your accomplishments, to your time, to your efforts, to your religion. He wants you to be joined to him. Not just to believe his truth, which I hope you do, but also to live the way that Jesus lived. And I get what you're saying. Jesus, listen, Jesus, he's not a single mom with two kids trying to get everybody where they need to go, not having enough time in the day. You know, Jesus, he didn't have student debt piled up just looming over his future, determining all of his outcomes. Jesus, he doesn't have to work for my boss and have the requirements I have on me. And listen, you're right. Jesus did not, does not face the many difficult things that you face day in and day out. However, Jesus did have a pretty big assignment himself. Be perfect, dying to the sins of the world kind of stuff. And yet, despite that assignment, he still found time to disconnect from the crowd and spend intentional time with his father. Despite that pretty big assignment, he still engaged in meals, long meals with deep conversations with people. Despite that pretty big assignment, he still stopped to listen and love hurting people. So I said earlier, that I was not going to provide a quick fix to this deep-rooted problem many of us face. You may be here this morning and you still feel frustrated. Sometimes we just need to sit in frustration until we decide it's time for a better way. So if you're tired of the grind, tired of the stress, you feel miserable, you feel afraid, you feel angry or anxious, you have so many problems weighing on your shoulder and it's causing you so much pain to even bear them anymore. I want you to know there is a better way. There is a better way this coming year. His name is Jesus. Jesus is the better way. He is the way, the truth, the life. The 21st Psalm says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. You want to know what I learned from that verse? Is sometimes... Sometimes you will choose to lie down, and sometimes the shepherd will make you lie down. 
And he certainly made me lie down over the past couple of months because he recognized in my life that there was a better way. The Bible never says, be busy and know that I am God. Be rushed and know that I am God. Be hurried and anxious and overwhelmed and know that I am God. It says, be still. Be still and know that I am God. So in my hurt, in my personal pain, in my disappointments, in my anxiousness, God showed me that the way I was doing the work of God was destroying God's work in me. He was showing me that there was a better way. So I'm going to ask everybody just to stand up with me. We all have this invitation. You have it every single day, every single moment, but I want to present it to you this morning. It's an invitation from God, and it's simple. It's come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Don't join a church. Come to Jesus. He will give you rest. And as you move into the year 2022, as you set your New Year's resolutions, as you dream of the possibility of what could be, as you take down the Christmas lights and you move back into the status quo, find a better way in Jesus. You don't have to earn it. You never deserve it. It's his gift. Take his yoke. Be joined with him. Do life with Jesus, guiding you, and you will find rest for your soul. What else? Nothing. There's nothing else. Just come to Jesus. Come to Jesus.